welcome to Earth Riot Radio. I'm Reverend Billy here in New York. I'm sitting here in the Earth Church. Listen to me now. Let's just ask ourselves, where are we living right now? Where are we living? We live in the natural world. That's the answer to that riddle. Now, the natural world has been, for most of its existence, uh, fluid, floating. There's been uh, rivers and, and of rivers of air, rivers of water, soil, living beings. We are living beings in life. It's everywhere. It's going through us, in and out, up and down. It's, it's suddenly, in this life we live in, there's a line. Somebody draws a line. Somebody takes a knife and cuts a straight line. Somebody has a, a wall erects a wall. Where did this border stuff come from? Because as soon as that started happening, the institutions that are poisoning the earth right now get behind those walls and they put police on those walls and suddenly we have lost control of our ability to love this earth, to love and protect this place where we live. And they're putting toxins into the air. You know it every minute, every hour. The fossil bankers, criminals, we, they're out of touch. Nobody would think of taking them to court or changing them in any way. They are changing us. They're killing us. They're killing us. Well, now look. We've got these property lines. We've got these religious lines, these borders. Everywhere these lines, lines falling down around us, just controlling us. Put it that way. Controlling us. Here in New York City, we've lost all of our free space. We've lost all of our natural space. All we've got is, is like little parks left. And the parks are full of police. And there are corporate billboards leaning, lurking, looming over those parks, all around the edges. And they're trying to get the logos into those parks. People, that's the front line. Let's defend our public space. And from there, go all the way back to the earth. Earth
celebrities if I'm distracted by oxycontin if I'm distracted well then I'm just afraid I'm afraid I'm afraid of Donald Trump He's got too many guns on the border coming to my back door. Oh, what's gonna happen to me? Ah, my little family. No. I want America to be great again. I want to be a radical, a good American radical again. Didn't we used to have radicals? I want to be on fire. I want flames to come out of my eyeballs. I want to stop injustice. I'm going to open up the border, welcome everybody. Come on in, I'm going to put, I'm going to put the Immigration Customs Enforcement people, I'm going to put them on a barge, they're going to sail out in the ocean. I'm going to be a radical American again. Here comes, here comes the revolution. Just dreaming again of my lazy boy. It's not about winning over, it's not about deleting, it's not about eliminating, it's not about saving, it's not about heroism. This has got to be a movie. I'm going to walk out of this movie and I'm going to walk onto the sidewalk and I'm going to be just staggering, staggering, staggering because it was such a great depiction of the end of the world. Uh, no, that's not it. I'll just be in my hometown again with this life we made. This life we made, this normal living we created, which is an absolute lie. A bizarre murder a minute. It's the ordinary life that's got to go. How would you be a radical today? you make it up 
you can um, kind of open the door to possibilities. Uh, where if you're writing mimetic fiction, realistic fiction, fiction that says this is how it is, you know, uh, in a sense, the doors are all closed. And this, this is one of the things that I think imaginative fiction has, has always done. Uh, you sort of throw a door or a window open and say, what if we went out there and found out what's happening outside? Welcome to News from the Natural World. I'm Savitri D. A group of small islands which are vulnerable to climate change said they were disappointed after governments were unable to agree to put discussions on cutting emissions on the official agenda of climate talks in the German city of Bonn this week. A group of developing countries refused to talk about cutting emissions without also discussing rich countries giving them more money for climate action. Developed countries refused to accept this. 
claiming climate finance was being discussed in other strands of the talks and the finance agenda items should have been proposed earlier. After nine days of debate and desperate pleas from the Pakistani co-chair of the talks to find a compromise, the two sides agreed to approve the agenda by dropping both the contentious items. Cruise ships were responsible for more than four times the sulfuric emissions into Europe's atmosphere than all of the continent's cars last year, according to a new report. Fracking companies used more than 282 million pounds of hazardous chemicals from 2014 to 2021 with no federal oversight. A new study examines the Halliburton loophole, which exempts fracking from federal regulation under the Safe Drinking Water Act. The provision, passed by Congress as part of the Energy Policy Act of 2005, was endorsed by then-Vice President Dick Cheney, who formerly served as the CEO of Halliburton. The company patented fracking technologies in the 1940s and is still one of the top suppliers of fracking fluids in the world. The fluid contains chemicals including carcinogens like formaldehyde, arsenic, and benzene, possible carcinogens like acrylamide and naphthalene, and ethylene glycol, which can damage the kidneys, nerves, and respiratory system. For a billion years of Earth's history, our days were only 19 hours long. Day length was shorter because the moon was closer. Over time, the moon has stolen Earth's rotational energy to boost it into a higher orbit farther from Earth. Earth's day length appears to have stopped its long-term increase and flatlined at about 19 hours, roughly between 2 to 1 billion years ago. The timing of the stall intriguingly lies between the two largest rises in oxygen. A new study supports the idea that Earth's rise to modern oxygen levels had to wait for longer days for photosynthetic bacteria to generate more oxygen each day. By pumping water out of the ground and moving it elsewhere, humans have shifted such a large mass of water that the Earth tilted nearly 80 centimeters east between 1993 and 2010 alone, according to a new study published in Geophysical Research Letters. Based on climate models, scientists previously estimated humans pumped 2,150 gigatons of groundwater, equivalent to more than 6 millimeters of global sea level rise. Paleontologists in South Africa said they have found the oldest known burial site in the world, containing remains of a small-brained, distant relative of humans previously thought incapable of complex behavior. Researchers said they discovered several specimens of Homo nalidi, a tree-climbing Stone Age hominid buried about 30 meters underground in a cave system within the cradle of humankind near Johannesburg. These are the most ancient interments yet recorded in the homonym record, earlier than evidence of Homo sapiens interments by at least 100,000 years. Mycorrhizal fungi have been supporting life on land for at least 450 million years by helping to supply plants with soil nutrients essential for growth. In recent years, scientists have found that in addition to forming symbiotic relationships with nearly all land plants, these fungi are important conduits to transport carbon into soil ecosystems. In a meta-analysis published in the journal Current Biology, scientists estimate as much as 13.12 gigatons of carbon dioxide equivalents fixed by terrestrial plants is allocated to mycorrhizal fungi annually, roughly equivalent to 36% of yearly global fossil fuel emissions. Because 70 to 90% of land plants form symbiotic relationships with mycorrhizal fungi, researchers have long surmised that there must be a large amount of carbon moving into the soil through their networks. 
A team of researchers has discovered rare prehistoric instruments made from the bones of birds dating back more than 12,000 years. The seven flutes, or aerophones, found in northern Israel belong to the Natufians, who lived between 13,000 BC and 9700 BC, and were some of the last hunter-gatherers known in the Near East region. The flutes actually make the sounds of other birds of prey that were hunted at the site. Researchers believe the aerophones may have been used in hunting, in communication, or in music-making in spiritual practices. And now, the sounds of extinction. A team of researchers analyzing almost 400 coral reefs found significantly declining numbers of certain shark species, warning that they face a risk of extinction because of overfishing. The researchers released a report in the academic journal Science this week after analyzing the presence of five common species of sharks that live by coral reefs. They surveyed 391 reefs across 67 countries and territories, using almost 23,000 underwater video stations. The report states that the researchers found global declines between 60 and 73% for the five species, and individual shark species were not even detected in 34 to 47% of the coral reefs. And now, the silence of a dying coral reef. Saving the earth up the street from racist murder. It's happening again. Jordan is shouting that he's ready to die. I was trying to tell my story about saving the trees of the East River Park, destined for the chainsaws and bulldozers of the real estate moguls of New York City. But our stage was just too close to the Broadway Lafayette station where Jordan Neely was murdered. Jordan was killed four blocks from Joe's pub at the Public Theater on the underground stage of the F train, which squeaked and lurched into the Broadway Lafayette station on May 1st with Jordan on the floor in the chokehold of a former Marine named Daniel Penny. He snuck up behind Jordan and grabbed him as he was wailing, I'm thirsty, I'm hungry, I'm tired, I'm fed up, I'm ready to die. Jordan Neely was a well-known busker, a street performer, who perfected the moves of Michael Jackson, to whom he bore a strong resemblance. He was 30. Penny compressed his windpipe and Jordan Neely was dead in minutes. The police of New York, whose unions openly endorsed Donald Trump, saw fit not to arrest Daniel Penny. He returned home to suburban Long Island as Jordan Neely went to the coroner, 
who ruled his death a homicide. The city erupted in protest, some of us even walking down on the tracks in the subway tunnel, stopping the trains. Jordan had been suffering emotionally and was unhoused for long periods. He needed our help and we were failing him as a community. And that day Jordan was scary to the ex-Marine, Daniel Penny. But he didn't touch anyone or personally threaten any one person. And for many years, anguished souls on the trains have been a part of our living here. Jordan Neely's story and the murder swept through the city. At the Sunday, May 7th show at Joe's Pub, after a week of still no murder charge and silence from our cop mayor, we brought to the Joe's stage a bright red drum major's coat hung up on a light tree. This, the classic Michael Jackson costume that Jordan wore in his widely seen photographs, maybe with a few less gold braids. At the end of our show, our director, Savitri D, invited the audience to come with us to the Broadway Lafayette station. So we walked there chanting, Justice for Jordan! Most of the audience came with us. We marched to the F train platform where he died, following his red coat, which Savitri raised up high in a long stick. Passersby joined us in our singing vigil. There was something about that heaving rhythm, rhythmic singing in that afternoon in the echoey tunnel. I don't remember from the years of shouting protests anything like it. The force of it, the anger, the implacable refusal to let this continue, this sadness that this kind of violence spreading across the country from children knocking on the wrong door to the insurrection of January 6th. This new kind of violence, can it be confronted with the sounds of our bodies, the sounds our bodies make? Can it be sung away? with Jordan's life and death coming into the lyrics of our songs, into our stories of talking birds, invading machines, and subtitles we lend to superstorms. Our one message is that the earth is a conscious being with intelligence and feelings, and Jordan Moon walked right through it. On the stage, on the street, and down in the subway, we improvised variations on justice for Jordan. Cars at intersections waited for us to pass as Jordan's red coat led the way. We were moving beyond our home issue, which you might call environmentalism, but now racial justice, rights of the unhoused, safety for militarism, no one name captured what we were marching into. One great failure in the naming of the Jordan Neely crisis by our city was what subways have become. Unmentioned in the killings trail of op-eds was the environment of the train station. That's because of the narrowness of the issues again. Public transportation is an issue, but you don't hear anyone asking the question, what happens to people in the psychic environment of the subway trains? In fact, the tunnels under the city are vibrating with fear and unhoused and vulnerable, they are not the primary cause. Our train stations are inhumane Skinner boxes. There's the glut of advertising to the point of torture. 
Video screens, large and small, are jumping everywhere. You can't escape the pressure of products. The intercom shares some common sense about leaning on the doors and walking between train cars, but adds the ominous suggestions, keep your possessions in sight at all times, be alert. The thinly veiled NYPD fetish, the criminal inevitability they see in young black males. The train begins to pull out of the station, and then here comes the subway performers vying for our exhausted eyes and ears. While the mariachi bands and the drummer soloists and Jesus freaks might penetrate the already oversaturated sonic world, the more delicate artists, like a doo-wop group with high harmonies from a threesome of soul stirrers, or a broke mother with her child but pleading in a voice that doesn't carry, a weak sound is wiped out. Jordan Neely, though, moonwalking and smiling, was some kind of Pied Piper. But what happened to him? We know that his mother was murdered when he was 10 years old. But also, Sean Bell was shot at his Harlem wedding party when Jordan was 13. Freddie Gray died in the back of a Baltimore police vehicle when Jordan was 20. Eric Garner was unable to breathe in Staten Island, and Michael Brown jaywalked in Ferguson, and Tamir Rice was playing with his toy gun when Jordan was 21. Deborah Danner was shot in her bedroom in the Bronx when he was 22. Philando Castile of Minneapolis reached for his wallet when Jordan was 23. Stephen Clark waved his phone in his grandmother's backyard when Jordan was 25. And then George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmed Arbery and on and on and on and on. For the many harmed and desperate people of color who braved the crazy environment of the subway to ask for help, the context they live in is a nightmare especially given the police warnings on the public address system which amount to threats. Ten riders sat there with their phones, busy but paralyzed, as Daniel Penny killed Jordan Neely. What if they had stood up, all of them, accepting the task of defending a life? That's what our singing that evening seemed to make possible. We were singing against a nightmare, singing down the injustice to stop this. We sensed that we would be singing this song for a long, long time, and our actions of resistance would come from this. Jordan danced and danced and danced as long as he could, and more dancers will grace our pavement and parks, and our city will change. And then finally the singing did come to an end. Those of us who live on the F-Line, we walked into the train car and sat down on that bench. The train began to move, and we had one issue and one issue only. And this is Reverend Billy saying goodbye. We want to thank Ursula K. Le Guin for opening that door with her imagination and taking us out there into the night sky. I want to thank Jordan Neely. Jordan moonwalking through the tunnels underneath New York City, through the borders, through the walls. With your spirit, you will never be forgotten. I want to thank the Fiery Eagles of Justice and the Stop Shopping Choir and our editor Jason Candler and our reporter News from the Natural World, Savitri D. And we want to thank, hear them? 
the Arctic Turn, the Siberian Crane, the Bar-tailed Godwit. These three birds fly around and around the earth. They spend most of their lives in the air, singing, flying. There are no borders. There are no walls. Let's take their example, people, with your activism. Earth-a-lo-ya. earth a